Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. It is Breeders' Cup weekend. Of course, that's a lot of the focus. I'm going to have a little preview of the sales coming up, in particular, the basic tips in Night of the Star sale, which takes place right after the Breeders' Cup on Sunday. And then I thought it'd be fun to kind of go back to a couple of the I thought really impactful interviews that I got a chance to do a little while ago, highlighting a couple of the main players in this year's Breeders' Cup. That's Flightline in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Of course, he's taking a lot of attention and Nest in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. So hope that you enjoy today's episode. I hope that you win all of your tickets and cash a lot as far as the Breeders' Cup is concerned, especially if you're playing. And it's just a really exciting time of year. This is what we wait for. This is what we point towards. And uh, with that, we'll get right into it because we got a lot of busy stuff coming up this week. So happy to welcome in Bradley Weisford with Elite Race Sales, who has a big weekend coming up. Brad, of course, Breeders' Cup and then uh, the Night of the Stars, Keeneland Sale, a lot going on. Um, first of all, with your whole team, I know it's obviously focused on the whole year, but it's really this time of year that you have a lot going on and a lot of owners that are involved in many different ways. Yeah, it's a big weekend. Obviously, we want to be involved in weekends like this between the races and the sales. We have six runners, unfortunately. Uh, we had to scratch Jack Christopher, not enter him, you know, in the sprint. So that was uh, heartbreaking. But uh, we still got a lot of action between the race and the sales. So we're going to sell over 100 horses in the next two weeks. And we're looking forward to the next two days of racing. And in particular, with the phasic dipped in night of the sales that night of the stars, excuse me, the sale that comes up right after the Breeders' Cup. What's been some of the buzz about your draft entered in there? Because especially this year with the Breeders' Cup being in Kentucky, it's pretty easy to go right over and see what's coming up in the sale right after. Yeah, no, we've obviously we headlined uh, the night of the stars sales the last five years. I think we've sold 18 horses for over a million dollars in Night of the Stars. Um, obviously, Mona Moy Girl, 9.5 million, Teppan, 8 million. So um, this sale has been great to us. This year, we bring 13 horses. Um, we're actually selling two weanlings for the first time. Um, one of them is a weanling that um, we're selling the mare as well, selflessly. But um, we're bringing 11 uh, mares, uh, nine of them stakes winners, headlined by Pizza Bianca. Um, it's probably close to home for you, Acacia, <laughs> um, as your husband and father-in-law trained the horse. So uh, she's a Breeders' Cup winner. She won the Juvenile Phillies Turf. And unfortunately, uh, she didn't get the best run last in fourth, being fourth in the Sands Point behind no pace, three quarters and 15. She was wide, but she's got her whole career ahead of her. You know, she's three turning four. She had a little break during the summer. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing her as long as going go going global. You know, she last she was she won the Grade Two last Saturday, and she's four turning five, and she also has a season or two left in her. So there are two Grade One winners, but we got seven other stakes winners uh, to bring to market. So we're excited about the whole bunch. I've had the opportunity to see how you and your team work uh, firsthand with the sales and the information that you provide to prospective buyers. And I think that's really kind of revolutionized what consigners do. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you think that's so important to give such a good, uh, a good opportunity to potential buyers to really see what they're looking at? Yeah, we have the elite passports and we thought it's really important to educate the buyers. You know, in the passports, obviously you talk about the pedigree, but everybody can see the pedigree. So we want to talk about the thoroughgraphs and ragasins, and we build race schedules and we try to do all the homework for the buyer. So the buyer doesn't have to do anything, but look at our passports. And that way they have a real good understanding about what that horse is, whether it's a racehorse or whether it's a filly or, you know, in some cases now we're selling weanlings, we want to educate these buyers with what's going on in the family that they can't see. And I think it's really um, the buy, the market's really accepted it. And that's kind of what's made us one of the leading sellers in the country. Not to mention you're well familiar with selling, buying, being involved in racing partnerships, really kind of every level of it. Do you think that that gives you an advantage in the sales ring as well? 
Yeah, and I also think that that helps us determine what these horses are really worth. You know, one of the things is when you come to our consignment, you know, we're one of the only consignments that gives kind of ranges with what these horses can bring. And as a buyer, you know, we're buying horses privately um, throughout the year. So in the case of uh, when we're selling, we have a real good idea of what these horses are going to bring. And uh, I think that get, there differentiates us uh, between some of these other consigners that aren't on the buy side. And that's one of the keys of success uh, at Elite. You mentioned some of the big graded stakes winners that you have in the draft this year for the Night of the Stars sale. How do you decide which horses fit in that particular sale? Because obviously it's a big arena and one that, as you've mentioned, you've had some super mares go through um, as far as your draft is concerned. On top of uh, obviously being a graded stakes winner or a stakes winner, and you really need sire power, number one, mm -hmm. but most importantly, you need physical. You know, all of the stakes winners that we're bringing this year, uh, the nine of them, they all are great physicals. You know, I can touch upon a couple of these. Plum Ali, she's a superstar physical. And you probably know her well, obviously, the Clemence trainer. And they've brought their horses into the market in great shape. But she won the Miss Grillo Winter Memories and Plenty of Grace. You know, stakes winner at two, three, and four. But she's by first samurai, but she's a superstar physical. I mean, she's a scorpion physical. Uh, another one, too sexy. Um, she was kind of named that way because she's an unbelievable physical. So I think it's it's very important to bring great physicals to Night of the Stars because buyers have three or four days to really shop this sale mm -hmm. and they understand that you need great physicals versus Kaylin, it's kind of a rush, you know, between books one, two, and three to get their homework done. So you can kind of get away with a moderate physical, but you can't get away with that at Night of the Stars. So on top of obviously the graded stakes wins or stakes wins, you, you need a great physical. Talk to me a little bit about the two weanlings that you're bringing, the Laoban filly and the Gunrunner filly. Yeah, obviously we have selflessly in the sale. So we're mm -hmm. bringing her Laoban um, filly and, and she's a typical first fall, uh, medium sized, but very correct. And uh, the Gunrunner, um, no introduction there. Um, Gunrunner is <laughs> hot as can be. And this is a outstanding, outstanding filly. So um, we expect her to go over terrific. And uh, I think gun runners yearlings are averaging about 550,000. So um, I think the weanlings are going to average something similar. So we expect those offerings to be very, very popular. And after the Night of the Stars at Phasic Tipton, you go right over to Keeneland and continue on with the November sale there. Plenty of exciting broodmare prospects for Elite there as well. Yeah, um, we only have four horses in book one, mm -hmm. um, and then we continue on with a deep book two and book three, about 18 horses in both. And then um, I think right now we cataloged about 50 uh, racehorses. So we'll be very, very busy there. And that's kind of been our bread and butter since we started. You know, we know the race market very well, as we touched upon, you know, our buyers throughout the year from yearling sales to two-year-old sales to the racehorse market. And that's why we continue to get a lot of these racehorses at these sales. And that's what we like to sell because we understand form. So it's it's a very busy time, as you said. And uh, right now, I think I'm going to go over to my Keeneland consignment, check in on that. And then, as you know, the races start early today. I'm sure you're <laughs> handicapping. Or Where are you in New York? I'm in New York this week. Yeah, yep. I'm in New York. First time not at the Breeders' Cup since like 2014. So it's a little weird, but but I've got all the homework done. Well, the races start early, so we got to head over there and we got a couple horses running today. So hopefully Oxymore can threaten them in the uh, juvenile turf sprint. Well, Brad, so appreciate you taking the time. Such a busy week. Good luck with everything, the races and the sales, and hope to see you soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really happy to welcome in Aaron Wellman of Eclipse Thoroughbreds, taking some time out of his busy morning today, which I so appreciate. Aaron, you have a, a very big week going on up here in Saratoga. First of all, can you just tell me a little bit about what the feeling is with your Eclipse partners, what the excitement is as we get just a few days away from the Grade 1 Alabama this weekend? Absolutely, Acacia. It's electric. It's one of those buildups to such an important and historic race like the Alabama, which we've been fortunate to compete in in the past. And we've placed a few times with some of our marquee fillies, but we've never won it. And to come here this week with a filly like Nest and the hype of a 
rubber match between her and Secret Oath, and you throw in Jerry Mander and a couple other really top-notch Phillies, and our partners are busting at the seams, ready to get it on. Ness was unbelievable in the Coaching Club American Oaks, and she's been such a fun Philly to watch this year, running second in the Belmont Stakes against the boys, and then just that open length score last time out. It, she seems like she's one that's really just continuing to improve with each subsequent start. She really is. And it's a testament to Todd Fletcher and his staff and the entire Fletcher program watching this Philly develop and evolve into the powerhouse that she's become that you're starting to see right now. We've had a very enterprising campaign. Mm -hmm. Obviously the, uh, the, uh, Belmont was a big swing for the fences against the boys. She ran awesome that day, arguably with all respect to Mo Donegal and, and credit to him, arguably blessed on the occasion, but to come back and make an effort like that and run the way she did in the coaching club, American Oaks was nothing short of brilliant. So we just hope that she can maintain that form and all, indicators are that she is now you've won the coaching club american oaks before back in 2015 with carolina and as you mentioned she finished third in the alabama um, she's also affiliated by curlin nest by curlin who dominated in the cca oaks can you help yourself in maybe kind of starting to draw a few comparisons and thinking about like wow it's crazy that you get to be on a ride like this again because it, it's not easy to get here yeah, it's, it's really remarkable. We were actually thinking about it. We've been up here. This is our 10th season since we started Eclipse. And just with Curlin Phillies alone, as you mentioned, we won the coaching club twice now with Curlin Phillies, Carolina, and Nest. Uh, we were actually placed in it with another Curlin Philly point of honor in the coaching club and the Alabama. So now to be back with our third Curlin Philly in 10 years to either win or place in the coaching club. And hopefully again, the Alabama is pretty special. He's his special stallion to be sure. It's really hard to make comparisons between these Phillies. Um, Carolina was sort of a slight uh, made Philly that, that took some finesse to get her from race to race. Mm -hmm. uh, Point of Honor was more of a strapping, sturdy sort that she just wasn't that fast. She just sort of grinded it out and stayed trips. Uh, but Nest is a combination of all their best attributes, to be honest with you. She's just got an incredible high cruising speed. She stays the trip and she's able to maintain her pace throughout nine, 10 furlongs, which is rather incredible. And I think what's really shining through aside from the brilliance of Curlin and his staying power is the constitution of the AP Indy on the bottom side. This is what she was bred for. This is what she's built for. And when you buy types like this with, her physical and she's a big powerful filly but she's got a lot of refinement to her as well but when you've got that type of pedigree to fall back on this is what you dream of this is mm -hmm. what you hope they will ultimately evolve into and you know after she won the demoiselle last year which is a mile and an eighth at aqueduct in november of her two-year-old year if you had asked me okay if she does train on from two to three what do you think would be her primary target as a three-year-old? I would say the race that I would think that she would have the best chance of winning as a grade one would be the Alabama. Mm -hmm. So to have won the Ashland, to have won, run second in the Oaks, second in the Belmont against the boys, to have won the coaching club, and now to be in the position to potentially have a shot at winning the Alabama is really the trajectory that we had always hoped for. And the mile and a quarter here, over the demanding Saratoga dirt uh, should suit her to a T, but we're certainly not taking it for granted. We've got a ton of respect for Secret Oath, who mm -hmm. definitely wasn't herself in the coaching club. And you got to assume, and all indicators are, that the coach has her back on top of her game. 
And a Philly like gerrymander is awfully good. And when Chad Brown has one that he's pinpointing for a race, he doesn't miss the target too often. So, and the, and the head to head matchup with gerrymander is gerrymander one Ness zero. She beat us in the template yeah. last year. So, you know, <laughs> she, she deserves a whole lot of respect coming off her mother goose win as well. So it's, it's a really good lineup. I think it's so exciting for the fans. And for me, the Phillies class this year has just been so fun to follow and so much talent in there. And I loved the way that you put it in talking about the trajectory that Nest has taken and especially for Eclipse, which of course is a syndicate and being able to have a dream basically with a talented and well-bred Philly who looks like she has some ability and then to be able to carry on from race to race. That's what horse racing's all about, right? And just the, the journey that one horse can take so many people on. No doubt. There's the old adage, it only takes one. And at Eclipse, we've been blessed to campaign a lot of good fillies over our 10 plus year existence. Nest is vying for contention for, for best of the best. And that's mm -hmm. a pretty heady group. But you're absolutely right these are so hard to come by and to be able to put together a campaign like nest is in the midst of and sustain that top tier, that elite form is so difficult to do. And again, credit to Todd and his staff and, and Nora and Amelia have gotten on her all year. Um, her grooms, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really takes a village uh, and you got to have the right type of filly with the right constitution. And she certainly has it. Uh, I always am worried in this series at Saratoga, the coaching club to the Alabama, that it's a really difficult two race series to pull mm -hmm. off. She was so good in the coaching club. Um, you know, we can certainly monitor her and evaluate her and watch her every day. Like Todd does, uh, and believe and have conviction that she's going into this just as good, if not better as she came into the coaching club, but it's still really hard to string these two races together up here. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's very taxing on these young Phillies and she's had an incredible campaign already so far. So, you know, you sort of have your guard up a little bit. Can she continue on this trajectory like I said, all signs are there mm -hmm. that she can and will, but until she goes out there on Saturday evening and, and lines up against this stellar cast of Phillies and does it, um, you know, you can only just appreciate what she's done to this point, know that she owes us nothing and, and appreciate the ride and, and hopefully it just gets better. Now, at the sale, at the Physic Tipped and Select sale, you stocked up on another curl in Philly, as you mentioned, the success that you've had with them. Um, hip number 151 curling out of grade one spinaway winner, Cassie Streamer, um, for, for a million fifty thousand. And she's absolutely lovely. Can you tell us a little bit about her and, and the partnership put together as well? Sure. Yeah, there were, there were two really knockout curlin fillies mm -hmm. at the sale in our opinion uh one was bobby flay's filly mm -hmm. out of america who of course is an apnd mare uh she was spectacular uh, we got outrun on her uh, but arguably pound for pound from a physical perspective we thought that the curlin filly out of cassie's dreamer who incidentally is by flatter who's by APND. So it's the same cross as Nest curling on top of APND. Uh, but aside from the pedigree component, which clearly is very, very strong and potent, we just love this filly physically on the shank. She was a queen all week long. She handled the rigors of the sale exceptionally well. Uh, she moved really fluidly, uh, just a lot of elasticity to the way she got over the ground great mind and and you know we try to pick up on those intangibles class intelligence presence you know that help us understand whether they've got the mental fortitude not just the physicality to be a top tier racehorse so look she's just a yearling we forked over a lot of dough between eclipse and mr lapenta 
uh, Saul Cuman actually uh, joined the partnership as well, as did Barbara Banky um, after the fact. So we've got a great group. Mr. Lepent has been a great partner of Eclipses for many years. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to experience classic success with Taprid in the Belmont in 2017. So he's just as game as they come and a great proponent and supporter of the business and of Eclipse. So we're really excited about her. Obviously, time will tell as it mm -hmm. always does. But these elite bred fillies don't come to market that often. And especially with the physical attributes that she presented at the sale. So we're pumped and hopefully she'll carry the torch from Curl and Philly to Curl and Philly who, who wear the baby blue and black Eclipse silks. You've got two Phillies at the select sale and then a Philly and a Colt at the New York bread sale too. Um, it, it's kind of that time of year where everybody's excited about their runners on track, but you do start thinking about, as you said, who could potentially be wearing our silks new, two-year-olds for next summer to kind of stock up and, and get ready for that. And again, racing in a nutshell, you're only as good as the last horse and you always have to keep looking forward as we kind of march into all of these yearling sales that have started and of course will be coming up in the fall. It's a big time for you and, and for everybody that's looking to restock the stable for next year. No doubt about it. It's a power in numbers portfolio business and we're blessed here at eclipse to have a wonderful base of loyal partners who continue to answer the bell every time we ring it in terms of acquiring horses and presenting them as partnership opportunities under the eclipse umbrella so without our partners there's no way we could purchase horses privately off the racetrack, go to the two-year-old and training sales. And as you mentioned, we're getting into the thick of the yearling auction market as we speak. We've been to Phasic July in Lexington, of course, the select sale here at Saratoga and just recently the New York bread sale this past week. Uh, so we've started off conservatively and bought a handful, but you're absolutely right in saying that You've always got to be looking towards the future because the reality is that there's always going to be uh, a revolving door of equine talent coming through any stable. The attrition rate is naturally high. That's mm -hmm. just what comes with the territory. These are incredibly fragile animals and uh, they don't have a long shelf life in a lot of cases. So it's important that you're always trying to back up your existing stable with prospects for the future. And that's what the yearling sales are all about. Uh, it might sound like they're long-term plays, but we're already in late August, early September, and mm -hmm. these horses are starting to get broken and trained wherever that might be, whether it's down in Florida or Kentucky or California in our, our case, uh, anywhere across the country. But, you know, we're, we're in the heart of, getting these two-year-olds now. So this time next year, these babies that are getting bought at the sales with Keeneland right around the corner, um, they're going to be the ones that have to carry the torch, as I said earlier. And, and hopefully uh, we're able to maintain and sustain uh, our ability to identify this talent at an early age, like these yearlings and put them into the right breaking and training program and turn them over to the right uh, trainers and then do right by them. So you got to treat them all as individuals and, and hope that there's some talent and some class that shines through ultimately. And one filly that you purchased at the Keeneland September sale last year came up and made her debut at Saratoga Kaling, who she was really impressive and, and had really touted herself prior to the race and um, was one that kind of stood out to me when I was looking at your results. Can you tell me the, the excitement of of course, winning a graded stake, that's what we always go for. But I think a two-year-old first time out at Saratoga, it's got to be nothing more special than that. It's so cool. And I just actually finished watching Kaling have her, her <laughs> daily gallop here at Saratoga. And we've got our sights set on the spin away, hopefully on September 4th. And, you know, it's funny you say that, Acacia, because when I go to these yearling sales and whether it's at Phasig or Keeneland or, or anywhere across the country, 
and I inspect these horses and you, you go back and they make your short list and you go back and you do your second looks and you start to hone in on really who are your draft choices here and who are we going to try to add to the stable. I try to envision them being displayed to me on the shank at these sales and project into the future how will this horse stand up in the paddock Mm -hmm. at Saratoga or Mm -hmm. Del Mar the following summer so to go from the sales grounds at Keeneland and watching a horse just walk for you to watching them progress and get broken and trained to showing up in the paddock at Saratoga going out and putting on a show and incredibly professional and potentially brilliant fashion being named a TDN rising star and then immediately pointing for a grade one with such rich history like the spinaway that's what it's all about you know that's what we all live for it's what fuels my fire and gets my blood pumping every morning is going out and trying to find that equine talent that you can execute that type of game plan with. We're going to be wrong way more than we're going to be right in this game. That's just the nature of the business. And anybody that tells you different is lying because (laughs) nobody's right more than they're wrong in this game. We're definitely wrong more than we're right, but you hope that you're right enough that it makes up for the majority of the time that you're wrong. And, And those moments are what are so special for Uh, the staff at Eclipse that puts so much blood, sweat, and tears into the process. And of course, for our deserving partners who put up their hard-earned dollars to participate in our Eclipse partnerships. And that's the moment that we want to get them to on the big stage with that horse that you can begin to really dream about. We talked about Nest, exciting two-year-old Kaling. You had Aloha West winning the Breeders' Cup Sprint this past fall looking at the model of Eclipse that, that you and Brian Spearman have put together and just where you've come as a syndicate in the past several years and how you've grown. Can you talk just a little bit about that journey and just kind of the, the appreciation, the excitement of getting to this point? Because as we talked about, it's not easy to get here. There's a lot that can go wrong with bringing these horses along and, and seeing the success. And I, I guess really the respect and appreciation that people have when seeing your colors on a particular horse when they get to the racetrack. Wow, that's humbling to hear you say that. And I really <laughs> appreciate it for sure. And yeah, it's, it's a team effort. You know, when we masterminded this 10 plus years ago, it was only a dream to be in the position that we're in now and to have achieved what we've achieved in this window of time, like a hundred and something stakes wins, 20 grade ones, uh, two breeders cups, a classic win, several classic placings, a Royal Ascot win, an Mm -hmm. Australian Oaks to our credit. You know, these are historic races and, and that's really what Eclipse was designed for from the beginning is to make history for our partners and and I just can't express this enough if it's not for partners who put their faith and support into the Eclipse program and then really talk the talk and walk the walk in terms of putting their hard-earned dollars into the program there's just no way that we even exist let alone our seeing our silks every weekend across the country in major races so it's, it's a team effort internally here at Eclipse, whether it's uh, my business partner, Brian Spearman, my right-hand woman who's been with me from day one, Kelsey Marshall, who was a TIEA award winner last year, uh, the crew down in Aiken, Bill Victor, Jack Sadler, Andrew Aquino, Karen Long, that sort of hold the back office together, and then a recent addition, Sean Tugel, who's our VP of Bloodstock. So Um, It's a team effort internally and then a real tribute to our partners. And at the end of the day, it's really about the horsemen and women and the horses themselves that that go out there and perform week in and week out carrying the baby blue and black silk. So I'm not the type that really sits back and reflects too often, (laughs) uh, but there are moments when when you are able to, I'm always looking forward, even after a big win, it's what's next and what's next, because I truly believe it's the 
ultimate what have you done for me lately game but there are moments that you could sort of sit back for a second take a deep breath and really soak it all in and appreciate how far we've come and and where we're at I I flew in last night with my family and, and it's been several years since we've all been able to come from our home base in California to Saratoga because of COVID and we've got young kids so it's hard to travel and they've got camp and sports and school um but i've got my wife talia and my son jack who hasn't been here in five years um he's only 10 and, and my daughter sadie who's an avid equestrian and she was with me when nest won the coaching club so that was a fun daddy daughter trip but you sit back and you look like when jack was just born we were just starting eclipse and we would come up here for the summer and shake hands and kiss babies with like two horses in the stable, you know, and we were just grinding it out, hoping to win one and get people's blood, blood pumping. And, you know, to, to remember that struggle and putting in that work and trying to build from the bottom up and, and to be where we are today is, is greatly humbling. And so many people and horses are uh, deserving of credit for that. But like I always say, we got to keep it going. And, and this is, is this is an unforgiving game and we don't take it oh, for yes. granted that we've done what we've done. And then hopefully we can continue to do what we do for our partners. Um, because you could get, uh, you could get left behind very quickly and it's, it's a lot easier to get to the top of the mountain than to stay there. But we hope that we're there and we intend to stay here. Well, we cannot wait to see the the super talented Ness this weekend in the Alabama. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time and, and giving all your insight. Um, really, really appreciate it. And again, best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much, Acacia. Thanks for thinking of us and thanks for having us on. So very happy to welcome in a special guest on today's episode, Costa Horonis. Uh, you might have seen him in the winner's circle with a huge grin on his face last weekend, and rightfully so, part of truly the horse of a lifetime, I think perhaps of all of our lifetimes, Costa, as Flightline, spectacular in the Pacific Classic, but uh, so happy to have you on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I, I thank you for asking. That's very kind. Now take us back to that Pacific Classic. I mean, every single step of the way, he made a very talented group of horses, in fact, just look like they were standing still. What was that like from your vantage point in watching that performance? Well, you know, I guess that going into the race, everyone had the same question, you know, about the distance. Can he do the mile and a quarter? He had, he had shown himself in sprints. He had shown himself at the at the Met Mile. So then the big question was, can he do this without, you know, doing much in between? Um, I felt really confident and good because uh, John Sadler had a plan. Um, instead of racing up to a mile and a quarter, he wanted to train up to a mile mm -hmm. and a quarter. And I think that decision, um, well, we saw the results from that decision from him. What a talented trainer and, and his uh, assistant trainer, uh, Juan Leva, that's on mm -hmm. his, that's on flight line every day um, to get, to teach, you know, flight line, how to do this and how to relax. And, and that, that, I think that was the key to the race. So going in, I felt pretty good, you know, knowing how John does things. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was really, I mean, you never expect to win by 20 lengths like that at the Pacific classic against horses that we were up against. Um, I mean, we were up the Dubai world cup winner for gosh sakes. So um, yeah, you just don't expect those things. And it was really a, a an unbelievable performance. I got a chance to speak to Flavian Pratt, his jockey, who's been with him every step of the way to the day after. And I said, were there any moments when you thought they may catch up with you? And he just said, no, <laughs> he was just doing it so easily, too. And you mentioned uh, John Sadler and his team, and it really has been such a team effort every step of the way with Flightline and the, the very careful steps that everyone associated with him has taken to bring him along to this point. Yeah, that's that's very true. They've they've been very patient with him. I, I've told everyone that uh, as fortunate and blessed as we are to have Flightline, Flightline's very fortunate and blessed to have John Sadler and his team because he was always uh, he always took his time with them and never rushed him. And I mean, we'd love to run him more, but you have to do right by the horse. And this is this is the schedule he lays out for us, and we're going to follow it. 
Now, this is a horse that obviously there were high hopes from the beginning. He's got a tremendous pedigree by Tappet out of an Indian Charlie Mayer, sold as a yearling for a million dollars to West Point Thoroughbreds, your partner's in as well. Tell me a little bit about the journey uh, of you coming to be part of the ownership group with Flightline and, and bringing you to this point. So David and Gordo fell in love with the horse early when he was, you know, scouting the sale. And so we had discussions even before the sale. Um, um, so he was there. Bill Farish was there from Lane's End, um, who we do a lot of work with. Uh, my wife, Stephanie, was in town because she was at a Toba meeting. That was her very first sale. So she was super excited. So it was kind of a joke. It was kind of like, yeah, go out and pick us pick, pick us out a nice horse. So um they they found flight line and and she called and we were i was mostly on the phone you know back and forth and just uh but yeah terry terry finley um involved was involved in bill farish and and summer wind uh, jane lyon stayed in and and us and sienna so we built the partnership and uh it's really been a great partnership i think mm -hmm. i gotta give credit everyone's such professional horsemen it's made it easy we're not really partnership we don't really have any partnerships ourselves, but this one, I mean, that's too big of a risk for us to take by ourselves. So um, yeah, it's been a, it's really been a pleasure to, to, I, I knew Bill Farish very well, but to, to meet Terry Finley and, and Jane Lyon, my, my gosh, what a, yeah. what a legend in, in breeding of horse racing. I just, what an honor it is to be involved with her. And of course she bred Flightline too. And as you mentioned, she's, done so much for the sport, brought so much to the sport too. Uh, how exciting was it that she stayed in for this ride? And I know that she has a sibling to flight line too, that she's going to keep in race and continue on with this uh, strong family and just everything that she's given as far as from that breeding side of things. Yeah. When she, when I heard she was in, that kind of made the decision easy for us to jump in also. Um, because yeah, I have so much respect for her and her mm -hmm. band of, of broodmares that if she decided she wanted to do that, I guess that made the decision real easy. So uh, I know David loved her, I know Bill loved her, but then once I heard Jane loved, loved the horse <laughs> also, yeah, that made it really, really easy for us. And we give hats off to Stephanie too for, for finding a nice horse, right? Yeah, she's still taking credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> as she should, absolutely. Um, now, obviously, as you mentioned, you're not usually involved in partnerships like these. This was a unique situation, but can you talk us through typically what a process might be like at the sales um, for you as far as acquiring horses to race under your colors? Yeah, so it, it's the team of David and Gordo and Lane's End along, and John Sadler has is the decision maker. He calls all the shots. Um, what's really nice is John will will know will know going into the sale, so we don't over we don't get excited and continue. But he'll pretty much put a budget on each horse that he loves, and we try to stay within those parameters. So it's it's really we're very um, strict with ourselves not to. Mm -hmm not to get excited and overbid. So we, we just, we kind of toe the line. And, and like I said, John calls the shots along with David and, and they make the decisions on that. I'm, I'm still, I know we've been racing for 12 years, but I'm, we're still pretty much rookies when it comes to mm -hmm. trying to scout a yearling that you've <laughs> never seen on the racetrack before. So uh, yeah, just, we're, we're just, we try to spread it out. We try to buy, you know, yearlings and two-year-olds and we'll, drop into the European sale a little bit and we'll buy horses privately and we'll do the horses of racing age. We, we do some European. It's kind of like a stock portfolio. We just mm -hmm. try to have a broad range and not be too heavy in any area. And how important is it in being able to have individuals that you trust uh, going with you or, or on their own really to the sales in particular, your trainer, John Sadler, who you mentioned, I know you have such a great relationship with. And I always find it interesting too, when a trainer is involved in the sales, there's an extra added incentive because he's going to be with those horses every step of the way when they're preparing to go to the racetrack. Yeah, and, and John's a true horseman. I think mm -hmm. he's he's able to do that. I don't. He's the only trainer we work with, so I can only comment about him. But I know he's always. Um, I mean, he's built the stable. I mean, any success, all the success Horonus Racing has have. Well, let's face it, it. It John's been able to do his job. Um, we don't micromanage jo uh, John at all. Um, we let him do his job. We let him be a professional horseman. It's paid off for us. It's kind of the, our management style here in Delano on the ranch. Uh, it's a large ranch. So, you know, 
we've learned not to micromanage. You can't do it. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. We got, we got 2,400 people picking grapes today. Just, I could not do that. I just, yeah. so we pretty much manage manager, but yeah, give, I give John, uh, John, John gets all the credit for the Heronis racing success. There's that's, it starts and ends with him. How did that relationship first come about too? And, and obviously the deep trust that you and John and your family, your families have with one another. I have to laugh because it's just a funny story. So 2000, okay. So brother Pete and I have always, when we were young, we'd go to the racetrack on the weekends and we were actually as little guys growing up, my mom was born in Pasadena. So we would go visit grandma and grandpa in Pasadena. Our trip, our trip would always include going to the racetrack. So we kind of fell in love with it at a very young age. So even as youngsters, when we were 16, we'd drive down and we couldn't bet, but we would drive down and watch the races. We just, we kind of fell in love with it. Uh, so now I'm 50 and it's 2010 and I'm, we're sitting in the box together one day and I turned to him and I said, I think we should claim a horse. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't know, dude. That's, you know, we're farmers. We can't uh, we don't know anything <laughs> about this. I said, I, you know, I just, we do everything pretty well. I think, uh, I think we should try to do this. So I did a lot of reading and stuff. So anyway, our usher, who we knew very well, because like I said, we were there since kids. Uh, his name's Tony, and he worked at Santa Anita. And Tony said, don't tell anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't tell anybody what you just said. I'm going to have an appointment for you when you come back next week. I said, okay, great. So we came back the following Saturday, and, and, and Tony says, hey, between race four and seven, I'm going to take you down and introduce you to John Sadler. Now, at this point, we said, well, that's going to be a waste of time. John's got <laughs> Ike and Don Thrash. He's got Jenny Craig. He's got, uh, he's got Mr. Moss, you know, he's got some big time horses and big time. He's not going to want to mess with a couple little guys from the Valley that want to claim a horse. But, but Tony said, no, 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 you, you're Pasadena guys. He's a Pasadena guy. He's going to like you. So, and I've told him all about you. And so I think, I think Tony had pre set it up. You know, these guys come <laughs> to the track all the time. They love horses. And so anyway, we went down and uh, we did not interview John Sadler. John, inter John Sadler interviewed us. <laughs> And I think that was on Saturday. I think on Tuesday, I went and had lunch with him. And um, then we claimed our first horse a month later. It was, wow. uh, he, you know, he got us all set up to get our licenses and stuff. And, and here we are today. It's just, yeah, it's just grown into Heronis Racing. It's just amazing. And, and I love seeing the relationship you have too. And, and I have to ask you um, in particular about a horse, uh, Accelerate, who obviously gave you all so much success, but it was also John's first Breeders' Cup win, um, which I, I got a taste of this with my father-in-law too, that you could be a great trainer. And if you don't have that Breeders' Cup victory, everybody loves to remind you about it every year. How special was it for you to be able to give that to John with a horse like Accelerate? That was probably the single most greatest thing that happened during the Heronis Racing um, career. Mm -hmm. um, to be part of John Sadler getting his very first Breeders' Cup and the Heronises being involved in that, because mm -hmm. we have so much great respect for him. Um, that That's probably the pinnacle of our racing career, just to be with John in the winter circle for Breeders' Cup. And I got to say something about that, because I know he was O for whatever, 42 or 44 mm -hmm. going into that race. But, you know, I look at all those stats and everything. You know, John's done a great job taking regular kind of horses. Well, mm -hmm. for us, Lady of Shamrock, Iotapa, who we claimed for 50000 I mean, um, Vagabond Shoes, who we bought in the Euro cell for 70000 There wasn't a lot of fancy horses that we <laughs> handed this guy. And, and I'm just saying he... I think he coached him up, you know, <laughs> I guess I got to be proud of the fact that you, that we made the Breeders' Cup with some of the stock we gave him. Um, so yeah, for him to win. Yeah. That's without a doubt, that was the greatest moment for Heronis Racing just to be with John that day. It's so special to see that come to fruition and talking about Accelerate, um, multiple grade one winner, of course, won the Breeders' Cup Classic, won the Pacific Classic too, and um, now is a stallion, which is really exciting as well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that with, with the horse like him that you had so much fun with on the racetrack and you now get to see him have his babies on the racetrack. Yeah, that's been fun. We have a few of them and, and we try to see what kind of Accelerate traits they have. It's really been, it's the first time we've had that that kind of stallion that yeah. that we are getting babies and trying to make another one out of but yeah accelerate i it, it just an amazing career an amazing season that he put up 
um, old older horse of the year, you know, um, with, with the, with the award, the eclipse award. So mm -hmm. yeah, just, and a lot of talk about, Hey, enjoy this. Cause this is the, you know, this is a once in a lifetime kind of horse. <laughs> this is the last, this is it. I mean, I, I heard that about lady of shamrock. Yeah. I, I heard it about Iotapa and then I heard it about accelerate and here we are a flight line. So I, we've been extremely blessed to, uh, to have horses like that to, to cheer on, but yeah, accelerates doing great as a stallion. He's, he loves his new job and we're just really got our fingers crossed that he can have some successful babies. And talk about enjoy this. It could be the horse of a lifetime. At that same time, you had also Catalina Cruiser, who's now a stallion as well. Um, we, we saw Stellar Wind be so successful in the racetrack, higher power. I mean, all these big names, these horses that we've seen in those grade one races. Can you tell me just a little bit about that journey and looking back when you and your brother were coming to the racetrack as kids. I mean, did you ever expect to be in the winner's circle after the Pacific Classic at Del Mar so many times? No, we really didn't. I remember at the end of 2012, I mean, 2010, our first year, we had three horses and I'm going, oh my gosh, we got three horses now. This has gotten out of control. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do next? But yeah, uh, Lady of Shamrock. So mm -hmm. her three-year-old season, she just keeps winning back-to-back -back turf uh, two turn turf races and she's you know the the best three-year-old grass filly in the country and we got her pretty cheap it made us believers yeah. that we could do this and we did not have to be you know um, uh, we didn't have to have a you know an oil field to, to make this happen it just we're regular guys we're farmers from Delano California and it was just it really just kind of gave us the the I, I don't know how to say this, but just we we thought, you know what, we can do this. Yeah. We just got to be selective and be careful, and and we and we, so we reinvested, reinvested, and yeah, it just it just kept happening. Just Iotapa, we claimed for fifty, and then she runs real well and goes to the Breeders' Cup, and then we had hard hard aces, um, and then that money got got rolled back in, and then Stellar Wind. It just we've been really, really blessed and really fortunate. And um, I, I got to give all the credit to the team, David and Gordo, John Sadler, Juan Leva, and, and all the guys at the barn that have helped, you know, make this all happen for Hironis Racing and the Hironis family. And for me and Stephanie and brother Pete and everybody, it's just, yeah, we're, we're on an amazing ride. Can you tell me what a horse like Stellar Wind meant to you, who um, you sold at the November sale, for six million to Coolmore. And I think that she really kind of brought so many fireworks at that point. And she had given you so many great experiences as well. A Virginia bred who kind of came from rather modest beginnings. Can you talk a little bit about the experience with a horse like her and, and just kind of the, I guess the, the buzz that she brought towards the end of her career as, as the value that she had as a broodmare too. Yeah, and she also, you know, she benefited also because Songbird was in the mm -hmm. races and Beholder was in the races. So it's kind of became, you know, kind of the, those three were battling a lot. So there was a lot of hype with, with those races. And then when you, then when you beat Beholder, it's like, wow, yeah. that's, that's really something. So, so yeah, she was tough. She had some really bad luck in the Breeders' Cup, unfortunately, mm -hmm. both times. She lost one on an inquiry that uh, we thought we were going to get and and we lost and then her other two times she just didn't run well it just it just and those things happen that's just mm -hmm. horse racing it's just you don't get a good trip for whatever reason or you're not feeling good that day or you you lose a shoe and these things just happen but yeah she was she was i meant we just loved her and she was the funny thing about her was she was such a sweetheart mm -hmm. at the barn and when she went in the paddock she turned into something a little different you could tell with her <laughs> attitude and everything she got and i think that's what made her a racehorse she got she was really tough she just um she she it just definitely stepped up when it was time to put the saddle on and walk out to the racetrack and yeah she was she was definitely one of the favorites of the family we hated to sell her but you know mm -hmm. you, we have to do what's right for her too you, we we're not in breeding and you've got somebody like coolmore that's that can take her to the best of the best uh, we owe it to her also for her to have a successful career.
And Casa, I love hearing how you speak about the horses, the admiration that you have for the thoroughbred, your, your attitude about the game in particular. As anybody that's involved in racing knows, there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of great moments, but there's also a lot of really, really tough moments that you have to be able to take in stride. And this game will keep you humble. And tell me just a little bit about how you kind of keep that positivity moving forward. You know, I guess besides training our horses, um, I'm, again, I'm going to give credit to John Sadler. Mm -hmm. He trained us how to be good owners and good stewards of the sport. Um, so I'm, I'm, that's it just, it's just something we had to do. And, you know, we farm and farming's tough. It's, we fight weather and we fight, you know, we get a crop or don't get a crop. And so actually the horse racing side has been pretty easy after you've been a farmer your whole life. Um, so it just, we tend, we try to enjoy every moment and um, it just, yeah, just like I said, we've been trained good. Don't let the highs get too high. And don't let the lows get too low. I remember our, we were all a little holding our breath in the paddock the other day and John came up and he said, uh, he said, uh, pressure is a privilege. He said, I saw that. I was watching a tennis match. Billie Jean King said that after she had won 63 titles and everything. She always had the pressure to win. So, you know what? This is this is, this is is a privilege to be here and have this horse and have everybody expect high things. So, this is the kind of stuff that we hear that kind of keeps us in check um, from John. And that's, that's I, maybe that's why. And it, I guess it's just who we are, too, as people, just the family and as you as you watch us just we have a lot of respect for for our other horses and our opponents and other trainers and and the industry itself and we're always we're always going to try to do the right thing it was a very good john sadler impression by the way <laughs> oh i can do that <laughs> he's, the only guy, he's the only guy i know that lives born in long beach lives in pasadena has an east coast accent <laughs> I love it. Um, but you mentioned your family too. And I know it is such a family affair for you with your brother, with your wife, with, with just pretty much all your family involved now at this level. How special is it to get to share all these experiences with your family and, and that a lot of them really share that enthusiasm too? Yeah. And I, I think that goes back to when the humble beginnings, you know, when we were going to start and what name are we going to use? Are we going to put Costa, Costa and Pete? How are we going to do this? And right away it was like, no, it's going to be Hironis Hironis Racing. So the legacy hopefully can can live on. And and it's something that 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 the kids can look forward to and maybe their kids. Um, that's that's the hope and the dream just for it to continue. And if it's Hironis Racing, everyone's involved, the whole the whole family and that just there's not one person's name on it, which I'm glad we did it the way we, we did. It keeps everybody ex excited. And, and when they're not at the track, they're always watching the races. So that I'm really, really proud of that, that they're they're excited. You know, Pete and I don't golf. We don't fish. We don't hunt. It's kind of the only thing we've done away from the ranch. So I think our family's excited to see us have something beyond uh, working every day. <laughs> I love that. And it is an amazing sport to be part of. And you have a, a true talent on your hands with Flightline. As I know, everybody is so excited to see his journey onto the Breeders' Cup this year and just what he's done so far um, in 2022 has been spectacular. What's the, the feeling like, the excitement? Because, of course, it was a big win last week. But I know in this game, we're always looking forward to yeah, I'm at Breeders' Cup. What an honor mm -hmm. to get a win in your end. He actually got two win in your ends. He got yeah. the mile also at the Met Mile. So he's got he he's got a, he's got his ticket in. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be a new day. It's going to be a new track. It's going to be weather conditions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's all he he has to travel again. So I mean, yeah, he he might be one to five, but there's a lot of things involved. And you know this, you're you're a professional in this industry. So, and I think other, everyone knows that. And so there's going to be, they're, they're going to line up horses in the starting gate with us and, and we're going to have to prove it. And we're going to have to earn our way around that track. If, if we want to be a Breeders' Cup champion. When he did travel to the East Coast in the Met Mile, he overcame a lot of adversity that day too. Things did not go his way. Speaker's Corner kind of put him in a tough position and then he just shook off that one like it was nothing once again. The fact that he was able to do that when shipping cross country and, and overcome some adversity that he hadn't had to prior, does that give you some more encouragement? Yeah, and I give Pratt a lot of credit mm -hmm. for that day. He, he 
I think he knew going into the race what that might end up like if we don't break good and we didn't break good. Um, so I think he had plan B all ready to go. So we'll give Favion a lot of credit for, uh, you know, he got checked up twice and he just decided, you know what, I'm going to take him around and I'm going to keep my horse clear. And if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat me, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to get blocked in here. So I, I give him, I give Favion a lot of amazing ride. He's an outstanding jockey. Mm -hmm. He does a great job as we have, a lot of great jockeys, um, but he did a great job. He, he knew what he had. He knew what was underneath him and he felt comfortable and flatline proved himself uh, worthy of the mile. Well, we can't wait to see him on to the Breeders' Cup this year. Uh, you had mentioned to me, too, that you feel like it's special that you have the opportunity to share him, that it's something that's just really great for the, the sport in general, uh, even outside of it, transcending it, the the excitement, the buzz that he has created. Can you talk a little bit just about that side of things and what you think he has done as far as drawing eyes to horse racing? Yeah, I said it after Christmas Day at the Malibu. I said, I want this to be America's horse because I knew just by watching him, you know, work out and stuff, this, this, is, this is a special animal. This is... <laughs> And John's been telling me all along, I've never had a racehorse like this. I've never seen a racehorse like this. So, you know, when you hear things like that coming out of your trainer of 35, 40 years, you feel pretty, pretty good about moving forward. But yeah, to share him, for him to be able to go to New York and everybody get to see him there. And, mm -hmm. and here in California, everyone's got to know him really well. And, and now Kentucky next. Yeah, I, I call him America's horse because I, I think he is America's darling. You, you have to fall in love with Flyline. At, at the Pacific Classic the other day, you know, usually the horses are coming to the finish line and people are screaming for their horse to win and they're up and yelling. and all. Everyone stood up and just clapped quietly. It was oh. amazing. It just was like with such awe and mm. respect, like look what we're seeing and and that all the comments after that people that I saw um, was just like, yeah, we'll, we'll never see anything like that again. That was amazing. Mm. Just it was one of those secretariat kind of moments where wow just it was a wow moment but just to see how they how the fans reacted on on saturday was was really a blessing and yeah we're gonna we're hopefully keep him on the track and let more people see him and uh, he he's let's hope he can continue to do what he does though at the level he does it so is that a hint that we may see him next year as well you know we'll do right by the horse right we'll, you know, he was born to be a racehorse and he's, he's a racehorse and I'm, you know, I'm going to defer to the, to the experts in our group. I mean, I've, I've got Bill Farish of Lane's mm -hmm. End and, and Jane, for, Jane Lyon from Summer Wind and, and I'm not gonna, <laughs> I mean, these people really, really understand this industry mm -hmm. on that side beyond racing, what's best for him. Um, yeah, I, I race horses. I'm not in the breeding very much. I got a few mares, but nothing, nothing I can hang my hat on. So, um, and, and again, Flightline's going to have a lot to say about this. Just he's going to, we'll see how he comes out of the Breeders' Cup and maybe we'll go on to the next race and let's just see how he's enjoying this career. And if he loves going to the racetrack every day and, and it's what he wants to do, I, I think that opportunity is there. Yes. Well, that is very exciting news to hear, but uh, I love what you said about always doing right by the horse and certainly appreciate that and appreciate uh, you and the whole team sharing him with all of the fans. Can't wait to see him in his next race. Costa, I can't say thank you enough um, for giving a little insight on this incredible journey and wishing you all the best of luck onto the Breeders' Cup. Thank you so much. This was definitely an honor and a pleasure to, to be part of your show. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. I'll be back this weekend following the Breeders' Cup with some more sales preview. But for now, um, good luck with the Breeders' Cup, especially if you are involved. You um, can kind of look back through some of my previous episodes too, and there are some more opportunities to check in with some connections that have some big Breeders' Cup chances if there's anything that you want to listen to again in preparation for the big weekend. But uh, again, just hope that you have the opportunity to enjoy it. As I mentioned in my interview with Brad, um, won't be there this year, which is kind of weird. I have uh, been working at the Breeders' Cup, let's see, on TV since 2016. And then I did the 2015 Breeders' Cup with Horse Racing Radio Network as well. And then I just went for fun prior to that. So my first time 
in a long time not being at the Breeders' Cup, which is a bit strange. I'll be working with the American Stay at the Races crew on Fox Sports back home in New York. So hopefully you'll tune in there, maybe in between watching some of the Breeders' Cup races. We have some good racing coming from New York as well. But as always, appreciate you listening to In the Ring. More great content coming following the Breeders' Cup. Best of luck this weekend. And if you're there, hope you enjoy it.